Hello, hello, Set Apart family. It has been a minute or two. I am now Sarah Edwards. Yes, Ian and I finally tied the knots on January 28th this year, which is why we have been very much a wall to handle the absolute craziness that comes with weddings and wedding planning. And I'm happy to report that almost everything went smoothly as much as it could have. And we are back with the podcast today. It is just me. Ian has a lot on his plate right now. So I am taking over a solo episode. I am so excited to get back into the swing of things, back into just being Sarah Edwards. That is so weird to say. I think it throws me more when people throw in the misses. That like definitely stresses me out. And today you might take note, I am brave enough to turn the camera on. I got a new setup going on here to prep for my new Skillshare class, which is super, super exciting. So I am just totally jazzed up to be here. I'm gonna be looking at notes today, y'all, if I take some pauses, because again, it's been a second and I almost forget how to do this. So regardless, um, I'm really excited for today's episode because it really came out of nowhere for me. I dealt with a lot of different emotional highs and lows during the wedding planning during that whole time. And Ian and I are going to make another podcast episode that talks about that journey. But there is one thing that came in my heart often, and I want to talk about it because I feel like a lot of people, both men and women, deal with this in this process. And so I felt inclined to share today. And that was caring about what other people think. Okay. So obviously it's the biggest day of your life. It's like absolutely maddening and all the attention is on you. Whether you are an introvert, you're an extrovert, you have social anxiety like me, the attention is on you. You guys are the party as the bride and groom. And just to preface this episode is very much relative to anyone in any season of life. It's all about perception, but I'm going to give you some examples of what I faced as the bride, totally terrified that everyone was looking at me all day. And through the season of planning, how selfish I got, how self inward facing I got, how um, I stopped really in time of this fear and anxiety, really investing in myself well, but also investing in others well. So I'm going to break that all down today in the Set Apart podcast. This is the podcast where if you listen and hang out with us, you too will become Set Apart. I know working on a new slogan, it's really fun. And I am Sarah Edwards with the missing Ian (laughs) Edwards, and I'm just happy you're here. So I'm just going to kick us off with a question here. And I love doing this because it gets you involved too and gets you thinking in a new way. And I want to know, do you think other people see you the way that you see yourself? And how much do you care about how people see you? Now, odds are, right, we live in a world where uh, perception is really important. It is how we acquire career paths. It's how we sometimes get into schooling and education. It is how we get opportunities. It is how we make friends. It is how we get to marriage. So obviously, this is something to care about, how people perceive you. There are many books, self-help books out there. There are some favorites that Ian and I have, like 10 Ways to Influence People. And this is all pivotal information to advance yourself and advance your life. But when does caring become intoxicating and negative and, and too much and, and burdens you down and, and sets you on a path of anxiety? Now, for me, I have an anxiety disorder. I have obsessive compulsive disorder. So it is very natural for me to get into a rumination process and to really care a lot 
and if I get into a thought pattern or a way of thinking, I'm going to start ruminating over and over and over and over again uh, as part of my condition, which I'm very aware of. But even if you don't have OCD like myself and deal with that thought cycle that you have to work on breaking, it's still a struggle we all have. And I think as a young person, and sometimes especially in terms of body image and appearance, this is all too prominent with social media saying how we should look uh, or what we should strive towards or what product we should buy to achieve a certain look. Uh, And that includes who we follow on like social media and who we care about um, as our influencers, as our celebrities, uh, even the characters in a book that we read. So perception is a really big deal. And this podcast episode definitely isn't going to be solved, but I have broken down seven ways that have really helped me kind of break this down in my wedding season and outside of my wedding season. And man, oh man, did I realize that I had a major vanity problem throughout my planning process. I became totally uh, like crazed about the exact perfect veil and the shoes. And to an extent, it's a very creative exercise, which I think is why I care. I love flowers and colors and creativity. And it just spoke to all those parts of myself. But I hit a point of hurting myself a lot in that process and how are the guests going to feel and how is my husband going to feel and is he going to see me in the aisle and think he made a mistake because of how I look and there's also this added pressure on certain life moments like a wedding where you think you have to look and be the best version of yourself possible on that day and there's that that pressure of perfectionism and I think it's really brought out even in pregnancy in graduation, whatever your big life stage is or career promotion or whatever, it's this pressure of I need to perform at a certain level to be worthy of acquiring this moment. And the reality is, guys, is that nothing we do in this world actually makes us credible to have that blessing. For me as a Christian, that's God's blessing. It's God's will. It's God's plan. I do not deserve any blessings. I do not deserve anything from from Christ and or his protection and healing and friendship and love and grace. And as a Christian, I'm very aware of that, but I still fall to this idea that, well, I'm in this world, I'm in this body, so I got to mean something outside of Christ. Now, even if you're not a Christian and you're listening to this today, again, these seven ways to overcome perception and caring about that isn't really associated with the Christian walk, but there's a lot of similarities. And I think exploring spirituality and finding your foundational truth is something we're going to talk about. And it's something I would encourage you to look into. It's a huge component of what gets us through trials. And believe it or not, some things in life that are masked as a happy, you know, blossoming, fruitful experience actually can be some of our hardest trials and can be some of the things that break us down the most and hurt us the most and challenge us the most and challenge our faith the most. You can hear that a lot from people that are parents, from people that are taking major leaps of faith in their career. Something that seems exciting and amazing actually ends up being the thing that breaks them down. And this broke me down. (laughs) I think something else to bear in mind is that perception really targets our core of what we value about ourselves and what other people value about us, whether it's families and camaraderie or friends coming together and We might use this singular moment, again, regardless of your life season right now, as an indicator of truth. Wedding, for me, 
felt like an indicator and a truth as to how much I invested in others, friends, community, my finances, my family, my husband-to-be, myself, from my appearance to my acne to my body image to everything. It felt like a moment in time that encapsulated all the data, all the years of work. And this is it. This is all on paper. This is right in front of you. And this is what you've earned. And guys, that is so not true. There is no singular life moment in this broken world that can encapsulate and bring light and truth to show everything that you are worth, everything that you value, everything that you've invested in, everything God has blessed you with. It does not exist because this world is full of sin. Again, even if you are not a Christian, this message is still for you. I personally do not believe that there will be a moment in life when you are going to have all those things out for display on paper in front of you as if it is the judgment day in this world of what your worth is. However, it is very easy, as I fell trapped to in this wedding process, that that is the truth. And my dress and how it fit my body and my waist and my worth in terms of how many people RSVP'd and how many friends I had to invite, which by the way, was not many, really made me reflect and think about what am I doing with my life? Now, despite it not being fully truthful. There can be validity and really good moments to encapsulate, to give us inventory and to help us understand new things about ourselves. For me, during the wedding planning process, I got really sick. I've been dealing with some pretty big health issues. And while they did not necessarily come as a surprise, the weight and the longevity of them did. And it's opened up a can of worms of a lot of questions about my future my future lifestyle. And that's a very hard thing to hear and process right when you get engaged. It's a hard thing for your significant other to process as well. And that's true with whatever season you're in. And I became really sick, really unwell, partly bedridden. I started questioning my identity as a person, as someone in the workforce, as a useful, uh, air quotes for those listening, wife, potential wife, future wife, girlfriend, spouse, whatever you want to call it. And that broke me down to worry about where am I investing my time? So when the time came to put the to-do list together and I had so few friends on my side to add in, I was like, Sarah, are you investing in people? Now, being sick and having handicaps where I can't drive and changing locations and changing my my job and all those things and, and church and all of the components of adjustment in life, naturally, yes, I had to remake friendships. I had to reinvest in people, and that takes a level of energy and exhaustion. But I also recognize that I made the choice, despite some of my circumstances, to not invest in people. And that why was that was really my main question. Yes, again, part of it from my illness, part of it was my selfishness. I threw a lot of my self-investment in my own pride, which was for me an embodiment of being hyperproductive. And that is also a coping mechanism for me from my anxiety and OCD. So that did not come as a surprise. And I think that's okay to an extent if that's something that helps you channel your emotions, your feeling of restlessness. And it was really a, a shaking moment when I thought, man, what actually matters in this world what do I care about? How many birthday parties, events, experiences did I turn down that got in the way of me knowing someone better? I love people. I love connecting with people. It's why I'm passionate about this podcast and other avenues and getting to know you guys. 
And it really shook me to my core. And it's something I've been exploring over the last few months. And, and an example, uh, recently what I did this week, right before this podcast, is I resigned from my job. My job that took a lot of my identity, took a lot of over-demanding requirements, late nights, early mornings, high stress, forcing me to cancel on dinner dates and coffee mornings on Saturdays. I had to work because I had to make up for all the time my job sucked up to do laundry and to exist as a human being, which by the way, guys, is really hard. So I quit. I don't have another job lined up, but I knew God was saying, you are at your breaking point and it's time to invest elsewhere. And that is the theme of this episode today. Even though, yes, I said the title is Overcoming What Others Think, I think self-investment is the cure. And I don't want to lean into cure too much. Sometimes cures don't work, and sometimes cures are not 100% effective. But I can promise you that these seven things have helped me get through the last couple months, helped me get through my wedding season, and changed me as a human being. These seven things I will never let go of because I don't want to live the same way I lived before. So let's dive into it. Here's the hard truth. When we are desiring for some form of perception, we are actually desiring for a sense of control. One of the things in life that we can't control easily or ever is other people. Perception is a deep desire to control other people how they think about you, how they value you, how they worship you, how they view you, how they are attracted to you, how they romanticize about you, how they wish or think or pray about you. is it? It's a form of control. And that was one of the hardest lessons I had to learn. And that comes out in the wedding process. It's this desire to control so many elements of my life. And ultimately, I admit that how people perceive me, that desire of control is really at its root a sense of pride and more so a sense of fear. That I cannot accept the uncertainty of other people, their choices, their actions, and how they value me in this world. Here's the part two. If you can control other people, you can control outcomes in your life. And for someone that struggles with uncertainty medically as a condition, but also as a human being, I want as much control as possible. And being able to control perception is a form of that. Here's why I think you should invest in caring about how to not need validation or a sense of understanding people's perception. And that is every time you care about how you are perceived by others or even yourself, it requires a cost. And that cost is negativity. To care about other people's viewings of you, you have to self-criticize, to compare, usually, and basically put a thin layer over your authentic self every single time. Now, I don't know about you, but I compare myself every single day. I think especially as a woman, with my looks and appearance every time I have to look at a picture of myself or hear the sound of my voice. Negative thoughts come with that. Suddenly I'm wondering, does so-and-so think I'm ugly? Will people not listen or watch me because of my appearance? 
I'm not as pretty as blank. I don't have this feature. I don't have this personality trait. Comparing, comparing, comparing. And in that noise, I lose who I am, who I actually am, what I bring to the table, what my value is. So suddenly, okay, I have this feature I don't like, and this product will fix it. Take it from someone who's in marketing, by the way. Let me invest in that. Let me invest in that other person's dream, need, product, so I can become this person's trait, complexion, identity, body, intelligence. Now, I'm not knocking products or books or literature or media. It is amazing and beautiful. Consume it. But why are you consuming it and for who and why for yourself should be the question you ask. If I'm going to buy an acne product, it's probably because I don't like my complexion with acne or I'm really sick of the way it makes my lower part of my face feel. I'm still kind of keeping myself at the core there. But if I'm buying a product because I want to look like insert celebrity and then I buy more products and more products to the point where I build up my credit card debt. I used to do this, by the way. And I put myself in financial depravity because I'm so obsessed. And sorry if that's a trigger word because I have OCD, I understand. If I'm so, (laughs) you know, ruminating on this need to look like this person, I'm going to claw whatever I can. I'm going to invest in them in their body and mind and soul and and complexion. I know this seems really deep and you're like, Sarah, where are you going? But this is important. This is important to me because this is what's controlled my life for so long and it's removed me from real life experience. That being authentic, genuine, happy moments has been robbed from me because I've bought in to this. And I think a lot of you have as well. Because we live in a world of media, social media, and consumption. It's our role as humans is to be consumers to an extent. So then the question becomes, how do we peel back those layers that we've made? For many of us, it is many, many, many layers to find that authenticity. It's not going to happen overnight. It hasn't finished happening for me, for lack of a better sentence. I'm still in process. But I'm finding more of her every single day. I'm praying for her every single day and I am excited to meet her, to know her and evolve as her. And that's an excitement I wanna give you today. So without further ado, let's jump into it. Number one, I want you to ask yourself, what do you value? And what do you believe? Now, this seems slightly similar to what I was talking to. Or maybe you're like, this is completely unrelated to perception. Why is what I believe matter? Let me tell you why. This is what I've learned. (laughs) Again, not just for Christians, but I'm going to blow your mind a little bit, (laughs) hopefully. Before I was a Christian... I consumed every form of media, every news outlet, every book, every public speech, every YouTube video, every piece of word, thought, dialogue in this world. I consumed it, as we all do, but then I took it as truth, as full, total, 
unfiltered, absolute, trustworthy truth. We do that every day. Again, it's our jobs as human beings to explore, to find out more about the world and and what we were designed to do. But is it dangerous when we think that everything we've ever consumed is actually honest and truthful? If we do not have a set of truths, values, and beliefs, we are going to be left astray as if we are rowing half a canoe, half kayak, which just picture it for me for a second, in the ocean with no compass and about a gallon of water. (laughs) And I think a lot of us in our anxiety and our pressures, that is the reality we are in right now. We are struggling to identify ourselves identify why we matter, what we should be caring about. And a lot of that comes back to the fact that we are not investing time into figuring out our truth. Now, you might think that media's role is to give you truth. I hope what I'm telling you, you also only take with as much as able to be processed by yourself, your perception, your heart. I am, I am not a perfect person. I'm very broken. But media stages itself as a credible resource at all times. And there's a lot of uncredible information out there. So where does that leave us? It leaves us evolving with the fast-paced evolution of the world and with media. And that requires us to constantly reinvent ourselves, shift our focus, shift the color shirt we're wearing, Shift how we talk to people, shift our friend groups, shift our jobs, shift our money around constantly so we don't overdraft a bank account. I am talking from experience. And yet we make circles and we really don't get very far. (laughs) You do not have to be on autopilot with your life and follow everybody else and follow the most liked video. You have a right to yourself to show yourself that you are valuable by investing time in self-education and finding your foundational truths that lay, not to be repetitive, as a strong foundation so that when life changes and you're thrown curveballs and challenges like I did with my wedding season, like you will with your next life event, you have a firm ground to make firm decisions on and you know who you are and what you value and what you believe. Now, it's not to say that through life we won't have things changed and perceptions changed. That's a good thing. It's good to have our minds altered a little bit. But when we constantly stray with this crazy flow and wind moving world, well, we're going to struggle. And if we're moving with the world at a fast pace, what are we going to need? We're going to need validation constantly. Am I making the right decision? Am I thinking the right thing? Am I saying the right thing? Am I with the right group of people? Am I learning the right thing? Am I in the right job? Am I doing the right thing with my money? It's exhausting. It's exhausting. So number one, identifying what you value and what you believe. And through this, you are able to silence the cracks of doubt that might seep through because you have a strong foundation. You are going to remain malleable, but not totally breakable in this process. And 
By taking time to invest in yourself, you're showing yourself that you matter and that self-investment matters. Number two is going to be an eye roller for some people, but let me frame it in a different way. In order to stop caring about how others perceive you, you need to invest mentally and physically into yourself. Now, I do not mean this to say give in to the validation about needing to work out more or drink more water to look like XYZ person or body type. It is more so, again, to prove to yourself that you are worth investing in, that you matter, and you are willing to do the hard things, the unpleasant things, to improve yourself because you are the only validation that you need in speaking of this world not of the ruler of your life, which for me is Christ. But showing yourself that you matter is partly done by taking care of your body. When I got really sick, a lot of it had to do with me investing in wrong areas, and that included not investing in my health, in my food choices, in my nutrition, my physical movements, my mental health, my therapy. What are you investing in? Have you done a cost-benefit analysis of that? Now, I know this advice has been given quite a lot. But some ways I've learned to keep discipline in my life because discipline sucks and it's hard and I fail a lot is just because you fall off the wagon doesn't mean you totally throw out the baby in the bathwater, okay? Okay. You didn't lose all the things that you learned and the experiences that you had and the nutrition that you invested in or the the time and the place and the meditation or whatever you do. You are still putting value in yourself. The question is, if you choose not to invest in yourself mentally and physically for a long period of time, what are you telling yourself? Not only that you're not willing to invest in yourself, but that you, in terms of your value, are not going to exist on this earth very long. Now that seems like a really bold statement when we're talking about whether to eat the nachos or to eat the apple, and I love nachos, guys, so I get it. I also love Nutella and pizza and pasta, and this isn't a formed video about eat this or eat that. That is not what nutrition is. (laughs) However, I found personally that when I stopped investing in myself entirely for for months, arguably years on end, that is what led me to a suicide attempt. Because I started viewing myself as someone with a container of a body and not a soul. This goes back to what we believe and what our truth is. Investing in yourself shows yourself that you are here for the long game and you should be here for the long game. You are here for a reason. You matter. Even if you have to start today and you're comparing yourself to Joe Schmo who started his workout plan five years ago or or your friend that started therapy 10 years ago, starting today still makes an impact. It still matters. It's just as important as your friends who started longer ago or whomever you're comparing yourself to. So number three, this one is the one that makes me most happy and the one that I wish 
other things in life didn't get in the way of so often. And I'm hoping I can change this for myself one day. And that is being kind and focusing on loving others well and often. Now, I know we just spent a lot of time talking about the power of investing in ourselves and focusing on ourselves in terms of our value, structure, belief, self-care. But there is such a beauty and a power to loving others well and, and putting the investment of time and money and resource and whatever your abilities are into other people. And the reason that helps with perception is it forces us to take the limelight off of ourselves. It's really easy at any age and any season in life to get comfortable, to get comfortable with our situation, with our blessings, with our creature comforts and our schedule and our routine. And honestly, as someone with mental health, I can say just for myself, at least that I get comfortable with my mental health sometimes and the excuses that I make surrounding it. Now, again, I say that gently, right? I, I've faced a lot of suffering with my mental health, but sometimes I give in to the social anxiety because I'm like, this is who I am. I can't handle this. When in reality, I'm telling myself, yes, this is an obstacle you have, but you're choosing to not use today as an exposure therapy for whatever reason to not come past this, that's maybe getting in the way of serving others and helping others. There are days when it's okay to say, I can't do this today. I can't help so-and-so today. I have to put myself first. I can't handle it because of blank reason. That's, I do it all the time. (laughs) But how much is too much? And how much are we inward focusing on who we are and what we believe? I think kindness also is a vehicle for making deeper connections. And I think deeper connections is one of the main reasons we are on this earth, personally. And when we have deeper connections, we understand people more and the struggles they have. And we find realism and reality in that. And therefore, we don't compare maybe as romanticized about said individuals. We get an ounce of life served on a platter to us. Usually it's not very pleasant. (laughs) When I am kind to others, I usually have a moment of a lesson learned about myself, whether that is my gifts about how I can be kind well, what feels most natural, what gifts do I have that I've been blessed with, but it also is usually, wow, Sarah, you've gotten so comfortable with blank that you no longer have gratitude for it. When we don't have enough gratitude embedded in our daily experience, that's when we start comparing and wanting more and we get comfortable, we get complacent. But being uncomfortable can be a really good thing. And even though perception makes us uncomfortable, we find comfort and rest in the idea of assuming what others think about us. Oh, I know so-and-so thinks this about me. Oh, I know this group of people don't like me. That's a form of comfort. We are taking something that we actually don't know for certain and we're making it a certainty to give the illusion of having certainty, of having control. Oftentimes when we are kind and we have to love others, we are peeling back the layers of their reality and our reality and we're seeing the truth. 
Usually when we are kind to others, it brings out struggles in someone's life, including our own. It takes away the pretty curtains and the nail polish and the illusion and walls we all put up about our lives and who we are and how successful we are and how put together we are because most of us are really not very put together, myself included. Even this image you're seeing here with all my stuff laid out is is set designed, right? It is not real to give a certain level of illusion, which is okay. It's beautiful sometimes. Sometimes it is toxic. When we are kind, we are forced to face our brokenness and how much we need saving. Whether you're a Christian or not, I hope you pick the right savior. But suddenly we stop thinking so much about ourselves. And I can for sure own that I think about myself way too much. I know this is a solemn one, guys. Usually when Ian's here, it's a little more light, and I love that. I'm not deep and dark, I promise. You see how many florals I have around me if you're watching the video. <laughs> I promise I'm a very happy, energetic person, but I think this is serious, and this is a serious self-reflection from my experience recently, and I, I want to be honest and firm because I think a lot of people can benefit from this reminder. I wouldn't even call it full wisdom because it's really just me giving myself reminders on things I've learned and read and processed and I'm trying to do the same for you. So I mentioned the word gratitude. Oh, gratitude. Gratitude is like the salt of American food. It is the thing we throw around constantly thinking if I just throw some gratitude in it, we'll season it and make it taste better and make it go down smoother. Almost forced. It's a fluffy word, happy word today. It's an overused word. It's a key word on your SEO for those of you like me who are familiar. <laughs> and it's so important, but it's so used now that I think a lot of us have thrown it in the garbage. Too much salt. Salt was made to enhance a pre-existing item, I hope, in the way that you've experienced it. Sometimes we salt things when... Some stuff in life doesn't have enough flavor. I think there's a lot of things in our life that we lose the taste of because we've gotten comfortable and we've gotten complacent. I can think of 20 right now, and I bet you can too. Regardless of your stature in life and where you've come from and your struggles and your sufferings, I bet you can think of a bunch of things you've gotten comfortable with. Um, number one for me is food. I eat three meals a day. I can eat three meals a day and I can snack as much as I want and probably still afford it. I do every day. And as Christians, we are reminded constantly of this because we are encouraged to pray gratitude and thanks and blessings and all of those things at mealtime, hopefully every meal, but prominently at dinner when we're gathered together and have pause as the day ends and thank Christ for our food. It's easy to get robotic with this. If you're not a Christian, you're like, why are you talking about this? How does this apply to me? And I'm going to tell you why. If your dialogue is gratitude, why would you need validation anymore? If we actually become aware of all the things and the gifts that we've received as people, why would we need reassurance? 
A lot of times validation and reassurance comes from a lack of gratitude or too inward or other sins. Like I mentioned vanity. I do it every single moment, every single day. Gratitude helps us reel us back in. Now I'm not saying there's a single person alive that can achieve this and do it often enough. I fail every single day as I keep saying, because I want to get you guys on the same page here that I'm just relaying what I've learned. I haven't mastered any of this, but I want you to try. I want you to try to slip in thanks in your head, in your journal, in your text chat, with your spouse, at the dinner table, with your coworker, just little exercises of saying thank you to them, to yourself, to your person running your life. Hopefully it's God, but whatever, (laughs) whatever you have going on for yourself. Another powerful thing about this is we start looking at the simple things in life that once seemed really simplistic that now seem overbearing of importance because they are like food and water and shelter. And suddenly we are so content with ourselves, grateful, and we stop caring about other person's Louis Vuitton bags. And shoes for a second. We're like, look at all this that I have. Look at all this that I can become with these resources. I mean, resources is not just for the present. It's for the future. It's, it's from the past. And that has so much to it. You can do so much with a piece of paper. You can do so much with a full stomach. And you have so much potential. And being grateful is also a form of self-investment. You are acknowledging what you've earned, what others have given to you, what you have not earned and been given what you've lost even a lot of gratitude comes out in the suffering and that's usually in the form of a loss loss of yourself identity a person a thing money gratitude fills the voids of that and i think it can fill the voids of ourselves too number five we're getting close to the end here guys i hope you're still with me I know it's downer. I'm trying to keep it light, but I'm not succeeding today and that's okay. (laughs) Number five is taking inventory of the content you are consuming, whether that be social media, which is what we often assume is content, but that also includes television, commercials, news, books, even. Yes, that's content. Conversations. Who are we talking to often? Who are we surrounding ourselves with often? This is a habit change that you can practically do overnight by taking a few minutes of self-reflection and figuring out what content am I consuming. This content influences your gratitude. It influences who you feel like you need to be kind to and what you're learning about people's lives and connection. It influences about your beliefs and your foundational truths. So this has a lot of weight to it, even though it seems really simplistic. What are you consuming? Now, I know we hear the, you are what you eat, And some famous uh, quotes usually surround that you are what you eat, what you eat. (laughs) So I know that this can seem ambiguous. But what you consume points towards what you care about. Maybe it's art, interior design, sports. These are all good things. These are all fun, enjoyable things, hobbies. I have lots and lots of flowers on my Instagram discovery feed. 
But what I consume and then what is reflected of my consumption, whether that be your discovery feed or not, is a reflection of yourself and your authentic self. Do you like what you see? Do you like what you've become? It's okay if the answer is, I'm not really sure or no. There have been many seasons in my life where I've said outwardly, I don't like what I've become right now. But usually when we say we don't like what we've become, it's because we're identifying a certain facet, a certain type, a certain moment of who we are. It doesn't necessarily mean, it rarely means our whole entire selves. Sometimes it just means it's a part, a part we want to work on, a part we are afraid of, a part we haven't accepted yet. This is something you can do today to make a pretty big impact for your tomorrow. Change up what you're consuming. This can include a lot of things, and it doesn't have to be every category all at once. Which leads me to number six about staying curious. Now, staying curious, you're like, what does that have to do with perception and why people care about me? Isn't part of me caring so much about other people and what they think about me and the control? Isn't that too much curiosity? No. Not in my opinion. When we were kids, we are wild and explorers and we're digging our hands in the fresh dirt and springtime and we are asking our moms to, you know, take a nibble of whatever that baked good is on the counter that's clearly pushed to the center because you're not supposed to have it yet. But you ask anyways because you're curious. You are finding your palate. You're finding what you care about. What your values are, not to be repetitive. When we are curious and we try new things, we are actually giving ourselves permission to fail. And that says a lot about our character. It says a lot about what we're willing to lose. It says a lot about what we want to become. It says a lot about living in the present, failure, and curiosity. And curiosity is how we can spark new things about ourselves, our creativity, our imaginations. And suddenly we are enthralled in the beauty of this world and everything that is given to us to explore, like new food, new wine, new games, new friendships, new books. And we are so encapsulated by those things and those little micro moments that all we can have is gratitude. But... Staying curious, enjoying new things, gives you permission also not just to fail, but to seek for yourself, to not need the approval of others, to not need to be told what to do at every turn because you need that person's validation of truth instead of what you formulated as your own truth. Now, I think human formulation of truth is very dangerous, which is why my truth lies in the Bible, because I believe that is the truth and the way. But what I mean truth is how you want to take your foundational belief system, whatever that is, and and apply it to your actions. That includes our thought process. When we gain gratitude and joy from being present, from exploring who we want to be and what impact we have on this world, we reduce our anxiety because it actually mimics a sense of control. And this can be good. Sometimes when we feel like we need control, it's because we don't really know who we are. 
we don't know what direction to take, so we'll take anything that we can mimic, mold, force. I know that when I was really frustrated, when my handicap set in of being unable to drive for however much longer or permanently, I became pretty manic, unhinged, angry. I felt like I lost my freedom. To an extent, I, I still feel that way. But then I started becoming curious of what was in the walls that I was bound in for a period of time. I think a lot of us experienced this during the COVID pandemic. What can I do within my kitchen? What can I do with my family at night? What phone conversations can I have? How can I challenge the norm? How can I challenge my complacency with the resources that I have? I let go of trying to seek control and compromise for my inability to drive and go places, and I sought curiosity within the walls I was bound to, and that also includes in asking for help and having certain conversations at once would seem crazy to me. Hey, can you go 40 minutes out of your way to drop me off here? I need help. It's something I had to die to getting married, asking for help. When we ask for help, it's kind of like validating a need, investing in something that we really need and we need help with instead of putting it aside or, or thinking we're not worthy of asking for help. Curiosity can make you needy. At times, it's okay to ask and raise your hand or pray. I think that's part of curiosity. And I think, again, it takes us out of our comfort zone, which gives us gratitude, which makes us want to be kinder as human beings and give more and be more selfless. And it all kind of ties together. Which brings me beautifully, hopefully you're still following, to number seven. My last point before we depart today, friends, is... Not only should you invest in what you believe, wait for it, but we should invest in ourselves, our goals, our curiosity, our foundation, our beliefs, our truths, our consumption, our self-investment and self-care, even if other people don't agree, don't support you, or don't believe in what you're doing. In conjunction with what I said about giving yourself permission to fail, I think one of the craziest things we can do to prove to ourselves that we matter and the, the experience, the human experience matters more than the planned or controlled outcome is taking a leap of faith and proving to ourselves that that experience, that validation of our existence is more important than the failure by doing it anyways. Doing it despite everyone else's disbelief, your own disbelief, the statistical disbelief. As I said, this week I quit my job. Everyone said I was insane. Now, I didn't do this without total precaution. I have a safety net. My husband, who helps me make decisions, is ultimately the man that in the house makes the decision, said it was okay, and we came to a conclusion together on how to work as a team to achieve that. But otherwise, other than that, crazy. I think I'm crazy. I'm sitting here totally basking in uncertainty. What did I just sign myself up for? What did I just sign up other people for? My parents, when I go venting to them freaking out about their 24-year-old who just quit her six-figure job because she was really unhappy. What am I going to do 
uh, facing the fact that I'm degreeless. I'm a degreeless woman. Um, not that I think gender matters in this context, but I'm saying it because sometimes perception of gender has an impact here. What do I do about that? And I'm jobless. What am I going to do if the money runs out? What am I going to become? What challenges am I going to face? I'm crazy. But I knew this is what I had to do to go through this hard walk with permission of other people with me to find out what I need, what I can become without these constraints, and how I can construct my happiness. Not just chase it or suck up and and think this is how I need to do life. When we're too busy rolling the dice, suddenly we stop caring about the need for validation because we're too busy rolling the dice. When my productivity hat is on and I'm on fire, even if I've failed 500 times before, which I have, I've had so many failures, my head is down to the grindstone. I'm on a mission to grow, to have an outcome. I don't need other people to tell me I'm wasting my time or not. I'm going to find that out for myself. And it's going to be more impactful to experience that myself individually than it is to lean into an opinion of someone else who's on the outer circle of my experience. I think that's the same for all of us. To bring all of these seven points together, essentially, we become too invested to care, to explore, to educate, to help, to aid, to invest about the voices of the world the opinions of others, our own intrusive thoughts, perception. But the only way to combine all these things together and do it is by accepting that you need to do it. So start there. That's where I started. I had a reality check in my wedding season that really woke me up. And I thought, dang, I need help. This is not who I am and it's not who I want to become because if I keep investing in this thought process, I will become this in more ways and more buckets of my life than I care to give over. So anyways, it is a sunny, beautiful, cold as heck day here in New England. I really want spring. I'm ready for spring. I'm ready for a new season. I'm ready for a new chapter. I've never felt stronger. I've never felt more afraid. I just got married and I quit my job. I still have health problems. I still have issues. But for me, I have everything I need to work through this season and get excited about the future because I also have many blessings. And I hope you recognize that as well. My name is Sarah Edwards, now and forever. It's really nice to say that finally after goofily dreaming about it for so long. This is the Set Apart Podcast. We are back. We are going to be consistent. I say this for accountability record. Ian will be back soon-ish. Don't know how many solo episodes I'm going to float in before he jumps back into the grind. He's a busy guy. I'm proud of him every day. He keeps me sane. And uh, come and join me as I figure out life, talking to the void as it feels. You can follow us on Instagram at setapart. 
underscore company. We are going to be merging our way on the TikTok soon. Obviously, you found us here wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also go to our website, www.setapart.com, where I have lots of digital downloads, masterclasses, other forms of content, publications. I'm helping out in the second nonprofit. So if you want to hear some more mental health episodes, that is where you can go. It's all on the website. Um, I have freebies. I have emails that I send out with freebies and extra info. Pretty soon, I'll be starting coaching, which I'm super pumped about. That is like the top project going on right now. And I'm even working on my next Skillshare class. So that's very exciting. And of course, I am accessible to you. I'm your friend. Okay, guys, I am just another human being. So please shoot us a DM, shoot us an email, however you want to reach us. And I want to respond. I want to talk to you. I want to get to know you. I want to help you in any way that I can. I want to support you. So if you need a friend, I'm here. Otherwise, thank you so much if you made it this far and you're still listening. Um, I love you and I will see you soon.